There was a chest with a secret door in it, uh, like a like a false bottom. Okay. Mm. That somebody used to conceal their jewels. I don't know. False bottom. Also priests? in the sex dungeon. <laughs> that's. that's <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> yeah, it was the flashlight of its time. False Don't look in that chest. It's where I keep my false bottom. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. I'm Kevin, I guess. And it's time for episode number 257 of Video Games Hot Dog, the one where Kevin's sick. No, no, not the one. It's the that's the video. Oh yeah, video games hot dog. The podcast where Kevin is. Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. You. Uh, <laughs> okay. That makes sense. You need a better immune system. Buddy. Yeah. Can I? Can I buy a new one somewhere? I. Yeah, but I think it's like it's sort of problematic because you have to get it from like a clone of a poor person. I'm a poor person. Can I just clone myself? I don't think that getting your own immune system would really do you any good. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so here's a question. Stop. If somebody those plague rats. If somebody had a really good immune system, why would they be poor? What if you were to just go back in time and grab the body of someone who was just about to die? Also, and take, take their, their immune, immune system? system. Mm, it but depends what on what if, they were dying. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> well, in the movie, it was, uh, a, I believe it was a car race car crash. Driver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the movie Free Jack. Yeah. It was, you, you stole the body of Mick Jagger out of a car just before he died. This is not. This is like a looper in reverse. It's like you take bodies of people who are about to die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And bring them to the future instead of taking people who you want to kill and sending them to the future. You send them to the past. Oh, right. So that they'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they're like, what if we made a sequel to Looper where it was like finding graves, like finding hundred year old graves and arresting people based on it once, once the looping is out in the open. Right. Yeah. So you're like, you're like half cop, half archeologist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cop, cop archeologist is an amazing job title. Oh, it's like a, it's like a cross between like a lethal weapon and Indiana Jones. Hmm. Lethal Jones. <laughs> Indiana Weapon. <laughs> yeah, Lethal Jones colon Indiana Weapon. I am, nice. I yeah. am not yet old enough for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, uh, it feels like it's been forever because time is all weird. Yeah, it's but it's, we keep sending ourselves back in time to record podcasts. That's true. Did I, I, I didn't actually talk to you. I know. I, I was going to say, did I tell you about the movie that I watched uh, with, with Tom while we were in Bath? There was a list of movies that we were going to watch. Among them was Jodorowsky's Dune, but then uh, that was only available in Spanish. So we Wait, watched... Jodorowsky's Dune, was that... It was never made. It, well, the documentary about... Oh, yeah. oh, 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 yeah. sorry, okay. Uh, so what we ended up watching was Time Crimes, which oh, was yeah. also in Spanish, but it had subtitles. It was Los Cronocrimines. Have you seen it? I have. Uh, was it originally in Spanish? Yeah, I guess it yeah, was. It was. Okay. Have you seen it too? I have. Wow. How is it that we've all seen this? Riff, have you seen I it? Like, I haven't seen it. It sounds great. Just Jim based and on I its s- title. <laughs> Jim and I swapped a whole series of like... Uh, good time travel movies. You gave me like a list of things that you'd seen, and I, I was like, "It was just this weekend where I just watched nothing but looping time movies." It was. God, I wish I was great. as good of friends with either of you as you are with each other. And then Aww. I watched all of them, and they were all really good. <laughs> time Crimes was interesting. It was. It felt very rudimentary as a time travel movie. It like the the twist. If you 
thought about time travel at all, you saw it coming, oh, and yeah. it didn't really subvert it no. in any meaningful ways. It was pretty, pretty rote, but for what is, I think, objectively a tricky concept yeah. for most people, I guess. I don't know, people who haven't seen a lot of time 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 travel movies, trying to travel movies. That was the subtitle of trying to. Trying to. <laughs> trying to travel movies. It was weird. It was just like the wizard showing a bunch of magical <laughs> slides to. So. Um, I really want to just like live in the trine world, except without all the threats. Like when you say the trine world, do you mean like where you can swap back and forth between three bodies? Oh, that would be cool too. Cause then you'd presumably you'd, you'd at least get like three throws of the die on longevity. Right. Mm. So you, you, well, it depends. I mean, if you knew when they were all going to die, you could stick with the longest one. But like, if it happened unexpectedly, oh shit, I'm glad I wasn't in that guy when that happened. She said, uh, my experience with those characters is that they all die pretty young mm -hmm. over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the wizard, there's no reason to not be the wizard all the time. It's always true. Uh, I went to uh, this this uh, convention called the Roguelike Celebration this oh, weekend yeah. in San Francisco, and it was fucking great. I watched I, some of that. Did you celebrate like you guys a rogue? Had been there. I did. I read an article about it where uh, the reporter uh, talked about walking into the building. It was in the Eventbrite office, and so you had to go and like talk to a security guard so that they could like put in their code to let you up in the elevator. And uh, when I walked in, the guy said, are you here for the roguelike event? And I said, yep. And he said, so you like rogues, huh? <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. And I got in the elevator and went up, and this reporter described the guy making the exact same joke <laughs> to him as he went in. So I feel like that was just that guy's job that day. <laughs> to make the same joke. Over to make that again. joke over and over again. So when he said it to you, did it? How well did he sell it? Did it sound like he'd make that made that joke a hundred times? Already? It didn't. No, I, I was I was surprised, but then also not really surprised to read the article. Right. I also don't know when the guy from the article showed up. He might have gotten there before I did. No, that's true. Here's a question. Could you be the one who wrote the article? Oh, yeah. In a, oh, in yeah. Time Back in time. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, now what I have to do is recreate the circumstances of... Uh, that was what Time Crimes was about, by the way, was about a guy having to recreate the circumstances that led to him getting into the time machine accidentally in the first place, uh, which was which is weird. It creates some weird uh, sort of gross questions about the way that people treat each other. Um but anyway, uh, this roguelike celebration was great. It was put on by Noah Schwartz and some other people whose names I don't know. Um, so I think of it as primarily a thing that was put on by Noah Schwartz. But uh, they had a lot of the developers of roguelike video games, such as Rogue. That's pretty roguelike. Yeah. Yeah. One might say as roguelike as it is possible to get. Although, I'm sure that there are people on the internet who would argue, argue. that Rogue is not a roguelike. Um. The Dwarf Fortress guys were there, but I was sort of more interested in the other person's talk and also wanted to make it so anyone showed up for the other person's talk who was against the Dwarf Fortress people. There were like a dozen people in the room. It was great. There were, Including, two, there were two speaker tracks. There were. There were two speaker tracks somehow. Um, <clears throat> the guy uh, the guy who did the talk that was opposite Dwarf Fortress, like, uh, 
he was a big fan of the original Rogue and of the people that made the original Rogue and had like named some bosses in one of his games after them. And two of the three of them were in the audience for his talk, which I bet oh. was a big thrill for him. <laughs> That's great. Um, they're nice guys. The Rogue guys were nice guys. They're just like sort of 60 something old hippie dudes. Hmm. Like they were at UC Santa Cruz when they made it. One of them, and I, I talked to this guy for a minute. He just like told me that his kids played KOL, but he's the guy who wrote the original curses library, which was the thing that on a VT 100 terminal would let you position the cursor yeah. at a given spot before Whoa. outputting a piece of text. Like the fact that I just remember thinking about like, okay, so when I was like nine and learning to program, that was just a command in GW basic. Yep. And the fact that like something that fundamental was something that, someone had to invent i mean obviously like if you thought about it yeah it, that would be pretty clear right has to be written by somebody <laughs> right but it's like that there's a guy who made it so that was the thing that you could do and oh there he is and he just said <laughs> hi to me so that was weird <laughs> and cool um yeah the the talk he was in the talk with uh the people who the primary developers of rogue like he was like in the talk, like as as one of the fundamental creators of the yeah. like, medium, though he did not have that much to do with the actual game, right? right? He just wrote the library they used. But the way he described it was that he he um, made the first um, what was it cross platform graphics driver or something like that, right? Because like you could if you were if you knew you were targeting <clears throat> a VT one hundred terminal, you could just emit the characters that make it position the cursor, um, but. Yeah, and that's how, like, all early BBS, like, ANSI art stuff worked. Exactly, and, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that stuff is the VT100 commands. Um, and, um, but there were other kinds of terminals, and if you wanted to support all of them, you used this library, because otherwise it's a huge pain in the ass. Yep. So that event, the, yeah, so the Dwarf Fortress guys were there. The guy who made Brogue was there. Um, this guy, uh, Jim Shepard, who made a game called Dungeon Mans, which he's a friend of, friend of the show, David Bass. So I guess Jim Shepard is a friend of a friend of the show. Uh, which I, since I didn't get a chance to play it very much, but Dungeon Man seems pretty cool. When I told David I ran into him, he was like, I can't believe I didn't tell you to play that game. So one of these days we should do Dungeon Mans as an assignment because it's, I think it's up our alleys. Cool. Guy also made a truck game about a truck going up an alley. <laughs> but that's not out for another few days. His talk was cool. We both, like, my, I did a talk there about procedural, like, goofy text generation in KOL, and then he did one about uh, sort of balancing tone and humor in his game. And it was cool. They were. It was cool how different the two talks were, how different the approaches were. Um. But yeah, the, all of the all of the talks from there are available on the internet in various forms at this point. I think everyone independently put made their own talks available before realizing that the organizers made them yeah, all available. There, there is now YouTube. a YouTube channel yeah. with everything. Just in all it. of them. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yep. Um, that event was fun, and I hope there's another one. Um, Would it be a rogue like like celebration? I hope a rogue like like doesn't get loose and eat everyone's shields. Oh no. Ugh. That's very video games, but that's the all that's the only non-video games thing that I've done. Huh. I've been in bed mostly for that a week. That sucks, Kevin. Yeah, it I kind wish of blows. That you felt better. I feel I do feel better. I feel better than I felt last week. Did you read <clears throat> any books while you were in bed? 
No, I just I honestly I kind of just played a bunch of like games that I oh, had. We not, can't talk about those yet. Yeah. So so no, I haven't done anything interesting. I bought a new board game, but I haven't played it yet. What is it, Riff? It's a <laughs> Warhammer Quest Silver Tower. Hmm. The, uh, Are you sure that's the name and not just four random words? Yeah, that is the entire name, Correct. and they're in that battery order staple? on the box. <laughs> yeah. so. But uh, it's, man, it's... Uh, Maple Cowboy Annuity. The <laughs> miniatures it comes with, the the little plastic, because they're, they're full-on, like, Citadel Warhammer miniatures that you have to glue together and all. But uh, these things are crazy friggin' detailed compared to how Citadel miniatures were when I was in like high school. They're super, are these just super like little impressive. plastic? Yeah, they're little plastic like mold? yeah, they're like you know forty k figures. Oh, and aren't they? Aren't the ones that come with that board game actually compatible with? Yeah, in fact, like their actual forty k yeah, miniatures. Had, yeah, yeah. Uh, Warhammer. One of the Crane Crowbar guys was telling me about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the it. I mean, it has in the in the rule book. It's like, hey, we didn't. We here's some stats for some figures we didn't get you, but you can totally just buy them because they're standard Warhammer fantasy figures. <laughs> so, uh, question: Did did Warhammer? come out as a fantasy realm and then they were wanted to do like a i'm not sure which came first uh, uh, second question did it have realms <clears throat> realms anytime someone says the word realm jim perks up and asks if it has any realms in it and so now <laughs> a lot is, of the time it doesn't a lot of the time it's just they just use the word realm and there are no actual realms what, how do you I define mean, a realm? Everything like, has realms, right? Any geography has realms. Yeah. Well, a lot these games. Does are, it have? That's like saying does, does it have, have categories in it? Does it? <laughs> that, does it have geography though? Is a good. Is I think a totally valid question for for a video game in particular. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Can it? Okay. Can a video game just say that it has geography? Uh, like a text it, adventure. It could, but it would be lying unless it actually had geography. So you would say that Zork does not have geography? It has a lot of geography. I, I would say that Zork, given that, yeah, no, you move around from place to place in Zork. It feels like a place. I thought so. What I thought you meant was like on a bullet point on the back of the box saying it has geography, and that <laughs> that makes it. No, that would be like a bullet point on the back of like a grade school curriculum. Yeah, edutainment project it product. Has it has geography, history, or, or on the back civics. of country. Right, but no one's ever looked because they have to dig yeah. real deep. Well, depends on how thick you think a country is. Well, that's uh, what what was the the the, the drilling project in Russia that allegedly found the doorway to hell? Mm-hmm. There's the there's the there's the deepest hole in the world. Is that that's probably what you're talking about, right? Yeah, like I remember they're hearing like this was. Back when real audio was a thing, hearing a real audio file, which was allegedly yeah, the they, cola super deep borehole. They re- lowered a microphone into this and like recorded some demons. Demons, yes. <laughs> what they didn't tell you was that they also lowered some demons down with the microphone. Uh, oh yeah, that's, so that's and a monkey a with a sandwich in a Ziploc bag. That's, that's how they get you. <laughs> Remember when that balloon kid fell into that hole? <laughs> was the world's two greatest tragedies. They happened at the same time. Anyway, I think the purpose of that borehold is to look at the bullet points on the back of Russia. Mm. Okay. But you can't, I mean, you'd have to dig out is under really all the of Russia. the back of Russia? To look at... It seems like that's the underneath of Russia. Well, if, if we were to look at Russia from where we are... Then it's kind of the front. Things, 
What do you mean? If we looked at Russia, we would see the bottom of it, right? Like if. But is the bottom the back? Is my question. Yeah, I think yes. Okay. I think we're looking at any any person so from Russia is in are, front are of us, facing outward <laughs> towards the space. bottom of a yep. building. Isn't the yeah, back of the like a, that's why they organize all the triangles to have buildings the are three dimensional counter and clockwise form, so you can remove the ones that are facing away from the camera. So Montana, not, not a country. I, I'm, I'm not trying to propose that it is. Okay. Uh, All right. Do, yeah, they, whatever. do they have country Dude, music hey, don't push your politics on me, buddy. <laughs> uh, it kind of has a face, right? Facing to one side. So I would say that the back of Montana is like off to the right oh, somewhere. Okay. Right. Uh, by the right, do you mean east? So is east to the right? <laughs> sure. The, okay. So if you can say that the east is the right, I can say that the bottom is the back. <laughs> Well, Wait, but I'm also saying about, that the, I'm saying that the, the east is on, also the back. Are you talking about the faces on Mount Rushmore? No, I'm just talking like the state itself just kind of okay. has a face. Not a, like, what about the faces in, in Cydonia? Is that the front or back of Mars? I'm going to find the picture. Of, I'm going to find a picture and show you of face. Montana. Yeah. You're going to show me a picture of a face on Montana. Yeah. L- listen, are you, you sure should, you that the other time. the other state next to it isn't shaped like a vase? You should take this time yeah. <laughs> time so, to Google the face of Montana no. so that you two can see the wow. image that we're about to see. God damn it. I, I fucking... Also, screw up the search. So, so I... Okay, I can see it. It's got kind of a big nose. It's got a nose, it's yeah. Kind of like, looking a, at, yeah. Like a baker hat. And, and, but you are right that that, that does Louisiana mean that what, I, Idaho has just a big vase in the side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They, they were going to make the border of Washington another face kissing that guy, but then they were afraid that it would harm Idaho's face industry. They, they would have to make a river that was symmetrical and extremely wide. and You could, you could do that. Yeah, it's true. I wish there was more man-made symmetry in the world <laughs> of rivers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know something else that I did that was non-video uh, game related, but video games hot dog related, was uh, we got a, an email in July from a video games hot dog listener and Patreon backer named Diane Heaton, uh, who sent us all free copies of a book uh, called Eidophusicon, E-I-D-O-P-H-U-S-I-K-O-N. Which, I have downloaded it, but I have not read it. Yeah, I read it while I was in Europe. I had it on my uh, I had it on my internet telephony device, so it was always handy. It is a weird thing. Uh, she described it as being like the raw shark texts, which I had to look up. Oh, that the was raw a shark texts. Book. It was a book where, for every chapter that existed in the book, another chapter was hidden out in the world somewhere. Oh, what, do you know I what didn't that, know that, do you know what that means? Like, so, like, Dang, is it a chapter that relates? To the <laughs> chapter? Is it, a, is it like it just... Uh, I don't know exactly. Some okay. of them were very short and some of them were, were chapter length. Like the, some of them were longer than the chapter in the book and some of them were shorter. And okay. I don't know what kind of correspondence there was. I don't really know anything about the original book. It also this has very an, much felt... An, an animated ASCII shark in the middle of it. Hmm. Inside like the, in a flip book? Yeah, kind of. It's it's not nice. that it's not that granular. I guess it, you couldn't really flip it to animate it, but it over the course of say half a dozen or a dozen pages, the shark gets closer to you in the middle of the page. Hmm. So, so that's part of the raw shark text. Yes. Yeah. So you you've read the raw shark text? Yeah, but not the not the hidden chapters that I only yeah. just now found out about. So I do I do Fusicon 
also feels like a thing that there's a bunch of stuff missing from. It's It's got this weird kind of metatextual thing where there's a point where what is at that time the main character is like talking about this manuscript that he found that his sister wrote and he's talking to an English professor about it and the English professor is kind of like making fun of it for a bunch of reasons that are true of the text itself, like as though what he was showing the professor was the thing that you were reading, which was like, you know, there's a bunch of things in it that are really like just obscene for no good reason, seemingly other than to just be shocking. And some things where there's just like out of nowhere, just really, really gross violence in it. And then occasional likes really long stream of consciousness chapters that don't have anything to do with the story or anything else. Um, a lot of the chapters of the book are written as a play, um, which is actually great because it, the, whoever wrote it is really good at writing dialogue and it was pretty funny. Um, it ends with somebody solving a tremendous number of puzzles that are presented to the reader in a solvable, an incredibly difficult, but solvable form. And then just sort of hand wavily solved by the, by the protagonist to the point where you actually get the solution or no. Aha. <laughs> so that is the, that like that. And that's like, obviously a choice. It was like, she answered and then moved on. Like, and they're all things that were like, clearly like they, they are, they are puzzles of the order of that kind of puzzle where it's like, okay, you have a country that is made up entirely of logicians and 50% of them are wearing orange hats and 50% of them are wearing blue hats. And you say in the morning, I'm going to murder all of you unless one of you with an orange hat raises your hand and you can only look at the back of the other guy's head in front of you. And also you're all lined up and there's not enough light for you to see anybody <laughs> that kind of puzzle, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. right? Like you, they, so they get more and more like that over time. Like at first I was like, I'm going to try to solve these. But then later I was like, now, maybe I'll see if Kevin wants to try to solve these <laughs> later and see if there is anything. It ends extremely abruptly, which led me to believe, like, okay, I wonder if just, like, the second half of this book is just hidden behind solving this puzzle. It is very difficult to Google because it is named after a fairly well-known old work of art. Um, the only names that I have seen associated with it are one that is uh, that is admitted to be fictional, which is the name of the actual author, which I don't remember <laughs> what it is offhand. Jack Thatcher or something like that. Jack Masters, Jack Masters, Jim <laughs> Masters. Uh, and Andrew Hussey somehow like shows up in Google huh. searches. Um, okay. So I don't know. Uh, tell, I'm. Tell us the name of it again. Eidophusicon. E-I-D-O-P-H-U-S-I-K-O-N. That's a, that's a show notes. Yeah, right I will link to it. Um, anyway, I. I enjoyed it. it. It took like a couple hours to read. It was very short. Um, I enjoyed it in spite of the things that were sort of deliberately off-putting about it in the beginning, like the just sort of weird, the weird like sort of needless obscenity and violence goes away in a, in a pretty big hurry. Um, it reminded me tonally quite a bit of like John Dies at the End, which I did not like enough to even finish, but this... This kept me going. And thank you to listener Diane Heaton for sending us all copies. And uh, maybe maybe now that I've talked about it, these other jack-offs <laughs> will read it. Yeah. It's, it is on my list of things to do. It's on your list of lists of things to do to promote to your list of things to do. Exactly. Zach, have you seen Die Hard 3? 
No. My least favorite of the diehards. Is that the one with Justin Long in it where he's no, making puzzles for him that to is solve? Die Hard well, I'm thinking of the one with the puzzles. The, like, that Die Hard 3 is the, is the puzzles. Die Hard oh. 4, I think. Well, okay. maybe not. I don't, I, it just, it was really weird to see, like, and this is what you're talking about the protagonist solving puzzles as a, uh, a storytelling thing. It made me think about how weird it was that that movie, like, a lot of the drama just comes from watching a couple of people solve riddles. It's, it was like watching like a like a let's play of Professor Layton. Yeah, it's weird because the puzzles are not very good. They're like no. it's like ones that like jug puzzle. How do I get? How do I fill this jug with like seven ounces of fluid if I only have a thirteen ounce and an eight ounce Ugh. thing? I'm like, oh come That's a on, terrible it's a, puzzle it's a for puzzle a movie. That, yeah, and yeah. they they like talk through. It takes like a minute. To like, what if I do this? No, no, wait, 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 no, I got, I got it. And then, they, no, that's not it. And like, seriously? But that might be entertaining to somebody. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't. Why are those puzzles bad? They're not bad to do yourself, but you don't yeah. want to watch somebody else do it. Right. What do if it's them. Bruce Willis? What if it's like somebody really charming and really good looking? Sure. <laughs> You're saying there's no, there's no one that you would want to watch solve a puzzle like that. I'm trying to think if there's, I have ever seen a filmed, like someone solving a puzzle on film. I mean, I guess mysteries are people solving puzzles. Mm. Yeah, but you don't necessarily know. Like, well, the, like, the terrorists are going to blow up these towers in Hanoi if you don't get them into the right order. <laughs> oh, fucking the, the way mysteries are structured, usually you just are presented with the solution at the end. Yeah. And then if you figured it out on your own, you feel smart. Right. Correct. Yeah. It, you, you. It's very rare to see like something like that. You just seeing somebody talk through the problem. Should I watch Die Hard Three? Is it good? I mean, I. It's all right. It's not as good as Die Hard One or Two. Hmm. I only saw Die Hard Two once. Is Die Hard Two good? That's the one. Is Die Hard One too good? <laughs> Denver Airport. Although Is it about the, supposed, cons- the conspiracy, Washington or something? Or? The whole thing takes. Isn't there place some in conspiracy about the? Sounds awful. In Die Hard, Die Hard Two. Yeah. They yeah, it's great. They like blow up parts of the airport. So is that Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal, a sequel to <laughs> Die Hard Two? Isn't it? Like aren't there version? some crazy conspiracy theories about the Denver airport? Maybe. I feel like Amelia was telling was? me about this. Like, yeah, that's where they staged the moon landing. Uh, no, that there was like a bunch of unaccounted for like billions of dollars in unaccounted for budget in the construction of it, which led people to believe that there was something like secret going on. I don't know. I could be the the um, the guy who was responsible for uh, Denver International Airport sort of becoming a thing. Eventually, became the Secretary of Transportation for the U.S. Mm. So maybe there is like a high level of. Is that the place where there was that statue that killed the guy that made it? Maybe the horse that fell over? Yeah. yeah I think so. It uh, it had like an v- extremely complicated uh, series of conveyor belts that was supposed to... Oh, yeah, the luggage handling thing. And yeah. it just never worked. They eventually fixed it. Like, didn't something happen where like the style <clears throat> of luggage that was popular changed in between when they designed oh, it and maybe. when they built it? I feel like I watched a Modern Marvels about this oh, yeah? and it, it talked about what a catastrophe it was to begin with but how now it's great and it's like the model for other airports hmm. baggage handling but maybe not 
I, mean, I could just Wait, be it, it, making it that up. It became the model because this, the fashion because it was, baggage it, chain? No, no, no. It was a good idea. It's okay. just the way that it was implemented combined with the way that bags started being made made it a clusterfuck at launch. Hmm. But like Disneyland was a clusterfuck at launch. World of Warcraft was a clusterfuck at launch. So and if, all of these things are great now. If the fashion in luggage changes again, will it become bad? I don't know. What if the fashion and luggage becomes just spheres? <laughs> just just live animals with your clothes crammed into them? <laughs> no, they're, they're just wearing They're all wearing all of your clothes. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a sphere of your clothes with like an ermine in the middle of it. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's great. What the purpose ones would the ermine serve in this in this example? Motility. It, <laughs> you, your clothes aren't gonna like move around on their own. Oh, like a, like a hamster ball. Yeah, there oh, you okay, go. Okay, that's yeah, that's sure. actually pretty good. <laughs> so you need one spherical item of clothing in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like a literal hamster ball yeah. that, that you then sort of slowly layer clothes on top of, and then you just let it go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just whisper, Vancouver, <laughs> to the ermine. <laughs> And then hope it gets there. That only works if you're also, Ermine Whisperer. It only, it only works if you're Mark Singer. Um, <clears throat> have you guys played any video games? Uh, nothing new. Just uh, Picross 3D2 and World of Warcraft. Do you ever get them confused and try to like chisel out parts of your enemies <laughs> in World of Warcraft? Yeah. Yes, and. <laughs> Classic. I've also been playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Riff, why is it so good? I'm not sure, but it is. <laughs> it's so good. The The characters and, and writing are surprisingly good. I mean, I remember kind of liking, and I'm, I'm sort of curious now, to go back and listen to the episodes of Video Games Hot Dog around when Warlords of Draenor came out. Mm. I mean, I played it, and I played to the new level cap, and I, you know, messed around with all the new systems and stuff, but I don't remember being just, like, filled with joy yeah, thrilled the way that i am with this and wait till you get to world quests that's so good just the way they changed how daily quests work is so nice there's like all this quality of life stuff and there's also like all the story stuff is just really cool yep. and like the the areas are just like i've i've only done two of them and one of them is just like elf forest yeah. except it's the kind of elf forest they make with like 2017 that, um, 2016 resources instead of 2003 yeah. resources and it's like this is really nice did you and meet, things are way closer together did, and did you meet the junkie no okay he must have been in the other uh, are there two elf forests uh, yeah kind of, i was in the, I, I was I in the one with all the confused yeah i was in the one with all the druids okay uh yeah i think he's in the other one he's so good such a good character. But it's I it. I just, I can't, I can't understand why I am enjoying this so much other than just, it's really good. Is this elf forest also on top of a giant mushroom? No, there is, tree? there is another world tree, uh, around, but get, you're never going to guess what's happened to it. It's been corrupted. No. What? <laughs> I, so I was doing a thing today, which involved like going back to the exodar for yeah. why would anyone ever go there? Like the Exodar was the Draenei starting city. That it was they like made. a spaceship that crashed. Yeah, it was a sp it was a crashed spaceship that was the starting city. It was like a major city the size and scale of 
of uh of Orgrimmar or Ironforge or Stormwind or Undercity that was introduced at a time when they also introduced another city that there was made it so there was no reason to go to any of the other major cities ever again. And they eventually changed that. They got rid of like the sort of one stop shop and made it. So you did have to go to the capital cities for your factions, but still nobody ever went to the Exodar or to silver moon, which was the horde equivalent. Like it's, so much wasted energy went into building that environment that nobody ever spent any time in. And in this like scenario thing, they've just turned it into like a dungeon that you run. And there it's the, uh, the priests um, class hall is there as well. Oh, that's cool. You hanging out with prophet Velen. Yeah. He doubles the healing and damage of all of your uh, spells. If you're in hearthstone. Yeah, it's cool. There's a, um, there's a, an engineering recipe that requires that you go gather ingredients from like Nomragon and Oljuar and a couple of a uh, couple of other uh, Northrend zones and just all over the place. So that's fine. This this just really feels like a thing that is being made by fresh people. Hmm. Like the sense that I get is that people really enjoyed making this Mm -hmm. in a way that I never felt about the other stuff. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just projecting. Yeah. I wonder how, I wonder if like joy of creation actually translates to joyous to play. I don't know. I'm trying to think of any examples or counter examples. I feel like a lot of, video game examples are of the creators having this sort of passionate idea about something and then like spending a tremendous amount of time crunching to make it happen, you know, sort of close to what they had in mind and then the thing being released and them being like, okay with it, but it could have been better. And then people responding to it either well or not, depending on uh, the luck of the draw. This feels like, they were just people who knew how to work with tools that have been being refined for 13 years. Hmm. And so uh, just, and also just a vast amount of world to play around in. Like the idea of just like, well, we've got the Exodar. Let's just create a scenario where we've removed all of the NPCs from it and put some monsters in there and you can go fight them. And it's like, they didn't have to do anything with the world. They're just like, okay, this scenario takes place in a copy of this zone. Mm hmm. And there's just so much of that, and it's great. It's like they're reusing old content to be yeah. new, and you get to see impressive stuff that you'd forgotten about or never saw in the first oh, place. I was gonna say, I wonder if they do the opposite, like uh, take some like raid locations, like I'm thinking like Serpent Shrine Cavern or something like that, and open those up as just places you can explore. Outside of the context well, of they, uh, I mean, kind of they they um, there's a druid class quest that takes place in like a, a an instanced copy of um, uh, uh, oh, what's the name of the Hygel the Mount Hygel raid. You have to go okay. in, interact with you, you're basically going back in time and interacting with the events that are happening during the Hygel raid. It's it's narratively a little weird. Like you could say, okay, 
as soon as you take this quest, this thing happened where demons invade this city. And so if you go there now, there's demons invading, as opposed to like this formerly hostile environment has been settled and is now a nice NPC town. That feels more like a thing that has to be permanent as opposed to like, well, we've finally managed to push them out and we've built a town here real quick. But as soon as you do what you need to do here, uh, it's probably going to get overrun by Nagas again in case anybody walks in the actual front door of it. You know, do they just they just don't worry about you ever interacting with somebody who's at a different place. Yeah, and it's weird because I feel like they say, you need to go to the Exodar, but if you don't go through the portal that they spawn, if you just run to the Exodar, you're just in the old version of the Exodar. And nothing like, changed. Yeah, happens, like yeah. what happened with D- Dalaran in the events leading up to Legion. Like, it's just, and I, like, there's a part of me that feels like, and I think I said this two weeks ago or a month ago, that the old school WoW devs would not ever have allowed that to happen. Right. But it just doesn't matter to most people, and it was awesome to, like, be in the middle of all that stuff happening. Nothing else besides WoW and Picross? Nope. What about you, Jim? What about you, Kevin? Or Kevin? <laughs> no. We've got to decide now. you got to do it at the same time. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. One to the okay. left ear, one to the right ear. I've yeah, good. I've been I played uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. That's is that the newer one? That's the newer newest, one. Newest one. Yeah. Um and I remember I remember really um having kind of a love-hate relationship with the first Mirror's Edge where the 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 move, the running around feels really good and the combat really doesn't and mm. they make you do way too much of the combat. Yeah, that seemed to be the general consensus. I mean, it was the, the the bits of it that I saw seemed to be like a it's like Mirror's Edge is like a parkour simula- simulator. Yeah, um, and that was the good part. Okay. Um, and one of the things they did at the end, once you'd finished the campaign, you could um, run through segments of the levels and do like time trials. And I remember really enjoying that part. And then they released an expansion pack, which was just more time trials in kind of abstract. Uh, like Mario Sunshine style, you know, levels floating in space. Mm. Um, VR missions. And that was, yeah, like that. It was great. Um, and this game, they they revamped the combat system to make it a lot more palatable. Although, although like I only played for a couple of hours, so it's hard to know if it's going to stay that way. Um, and they also changed the single player campaign to be kind of an open world thing where you're running around on in sort of an open city and doing missions. Hmm. Um, and I have found that I think the open cityness of it, not by, you know, just the pure nature of being open, but because you can now approach, um, you can, you can, you pick out your own lines in the world rather than doing the ones that the developers have set up for you. And as a result, it, Often the game does not do what you want it to do. Um, it so it feels a lot. The the movement, the running around code feels a lot clunkier mm. because like I spent I I've spent a lot of time in this game just like trying to do a a wall run that seems like it should be doable or what have you, and uh, it not working. And I think just by virtue of it not being linear, kind they kind of mm. ruined the parkour aspects of it. Mm, that's that, that's a shame. been my yeah, 
it's it's that's been my takeaway from it anyway it's 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 frustrating because i really thought this would be a game for me um do you think that your approaches to things are just outliers to what because it seems like they would have I mean, what playtesting that game is, is just seeing what people try to do and then make sure that you put shit for them to land on when they do it. I would imagine so. Like I, so it, that could be, um, but also like, I think, uh, this game kind of came out without any marketing push. Um, I didn't notice any like fanfare at launch. Uh, and I think that might equate to them not really having having enough time to polish it i think Mm. the publisher decided like maybe the publisher decided like let's just get this thing out the door and cut our losses i don't know i would uh i i would like to uh if if someone if, if a listener really enjoyed uh the moving around in that game i would like to like to hear from them and i played a game called uh absolute drift i actually played absolute drift zen edition for the ps4 and this is a game that is um a top-down driving game uh themed entirely around drifting around like going into a skid like a controlled skid um and moving around that way um and all the goals are based around drifting in various ways um and I put like two hours into this game, like, and I felt like I wasn't, I, I didn't improve at all. Like, this is one of the, like, I, I, I'm usually pretty good at, um, managing kineticism. Like, that's, platformers are my jam. So, when I see a, a, a mechanic that's based around motion and, like, momentum and controlling your momentum, um, I'm usually, like, able to, like, sink my teeth into it and really got a good grip on it pretty quickly. Uh, but like I played the tutorial and I was able to finish like 20% of the challenges they give you. And then I played like the next level and I was able to finish like 40% of the challenges. And then I played the next level and I was able to finish 80% of the challenges. And I was thinking that meant like, okay, I'm getting better at this game. But then I played the level after that and I couldn't like, I finished literally none of them. They were all just too hard at that point. And so then I went back to the tutorial and I still couldn't finish more than 20% of the challenges. (laughs) So like the game is just like what I thought was me getting better was just a really weird difficulty curve. Um, it, it, drifting is super hard. I don't know if you guys have ever tried it in real life. In real life. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Like a snowy parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And then, like, after all that, I realized there was a handbrake button, and, like, maybe that would make things easier. (laughs) But it didn't. I still couldn't. I I have never been able to get even a, like, rudimentary facility with racing games. Yeah. Like, just terrible at them. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand what it means to be like good at like i understand what it means to be good at them you'll win the races instead of losing the races (laughs) so that's the wrong thing to say but like i don't i don't even have like like if i if i die in spelunky it's like oh i was trying to jump to this thing and i didn't yeah right and if i 
lose in a racing game, it's like, is it because I didn't go fast enough? But like, no, because I had the like, so here's a, probably a problem. Had the accelerator just floored the entire time, uh, which you can't do because you run off the road at curves. So what, what one thing that makes it pretty hard to like gauge if you're getting better at racing games or how good you are at them is that a lot of them are structured for maximum drama rather than right they'll like rubber band yeah. your opponents to to be close to you and yeah 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 so it's it's hard to like am i getting better at this game i still keep either winning or losing by inches you know um so i feel like i don't know if you wanted to to set yourself some homework you could go play some like mario kart time trials or something i don't really i yeah, mean fair i enough. like Uh, and I played a game, um, it's called Traps and Gemstones, which is a really bad title. Does it not have either of those it? things? It, no, it has both of those things, like, but it was, like, I don't know, the guy made a list of things you could find in, like, like on a, on an adventure, and was, and, like, was like, I'm gonna do a Dungeons and Dragons style, style title, you can't do Dungeons and Dragons, those two things are taken... Oh, monsters and mazes are taken. Tunnels oh, and trolls. Tombs and treasures is taken. Uh, shoots and ladders is taken. <laughs> Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so he came up with this pairing, which is really like not evocative at all. But it's a it's a solid um, exploration driven platformer for phones, which I don't I I don't know of any other examples of that sort of thing. Huh. Um, it's the sort of like Metroid structured, uh, like you 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 go into this pyramid and you're collecting treasure and you find power ups and you use the power ups to get to other parts of the pyramid and it's it's very uh, like I I wouldn't I wouldn't call it great but like given that I don't know of any other example for the platform and given that like I do so much of my gaming on phones nowadays um, yeah. I've been playing a bunch of it. What about you, Kevin? Uh, I went back and played some <clears throat> some more Magisite. I uh, gave that a little more of a deeper dive, and uh, I kind of got into it. Um, I was able to, after losing a couple more times, uh, I decided to focus on just doing like archery and like ranged combat in that game, and suddenly the game became a lot more survivable and viable. Uh, and then just experimented a bunch with all the crafting, just tried to find all the recipes and stuff. Did and it rely on you finding spiders early on uh, to make a bow? If you start as an elf or a dwarf in in their game, you start with a bow. Um, but yeah, you you have, if you don't start with a bow, you have to find four to find two spiders to make a bow. Um, trying to do a magic class is the hardest because you kind of have to get um, you need to make a net. Which requires four spider webs. Magic class requires a net. Yeah, so those those little floating bugs by the dead plants are uh, <clears throat> the basis for magic hmm. in the game. Apparently, uh, you make gems, which you then combine with traps. Uh, no, uh, with sticks. With stones. Oh, okay. And those then become uh, your like wands, basically, mm. and you can do like fireballs that shoot out to the side or things that shoot up straight up and down or something that surrounds you are the three different sort of categories of spells. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I enjoyed it. It's, I, it really is kind of a weird cross between like Terraria and 
uh, Spelunky to the point where uh, you were saying, well, you know, at least there's no ghost or whatever. I was like, oh, no, there's totally ghosts. If you, if you wait on a level <laughs> too long, eventually uh, monsters come. This, the, what is it? it's, not, it's like the Scourge or something um, comes, to, comes to get you. How much uh, time did you put into that? I think probably two and a half hours or three hours total. Including the uh, previous week? Uh, yeah. Hmm. So, um, it's once you find a viable build and if you get a little lucky, um, with some gear, the gear drops, I think you can probably play through the whole thing. Cause if, especially as I think archery class is by far the easiest cause mm-hmm. you can just kill stuff at a distance. And as long as you, I had the miner's helmet, which gave me more resources from mining, which allowed me to make more arrows, which allowed me to kill more things from a distance to level up so I could get to more areas and mine more things and make more arrows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I played uh steam dig a little bit. Uh, it seems like it's a, it's kind of a fun, I, I was curious where, what was the first game like this where you have a big sort of field of dirt that you're digging out to collect there resources. Was, I, and you, I, I swear I played one in the nineties. Oh, wow. I, I dig yeah. it came out on iPad, but like th- <clears throat> when I played, I dig it. I remember thinking this is exactly like the game that I played in the nineties that involved going deeper and deeper and using resources to upgrade your ability to move around in this world. And there was the surface with the exact same things, the fuel and, yeah, the the first example I played was a flash game in like 2002. Oh wow. Okay. Um I forget the name of it. Does so, I think it about... still work on modern iOS? Yeah, I think so. I haven't I don't have iOS 10 yet, but I think it worked on 9 at least. Playing that style of game with a controller, which is what SteamWorld Dig was on the 3DS was just great. I played yeah. it on the computer. Yeah. And it was fine. That had like multiple worlds that you could go into and stuff, right? There were like three different yeah. environments. It was cool. Yeah, it was great. It was just a fun. It's a fun little game. It, it does. It's another game that doesn't take that much time to to sort of beat. Um. Yeah, but if you dig into it, it has like uh, medals for speed running it and that sort of thing. Ooh, there's so an I you've... dig it remastered. <laughs> it's got Retina graphics. The worst thing about I dig it was playing it on a touchscreen. Mm. You know, like it was tolerable, like you'd get used to the virtual joystick because the game was fun. I wish to fuck I could figure out what the game was that I played because I think of it as being a thing that had like CGA graphics, but that's like obviously not true. I, I think mean, it you was, might be thinking like there's this whole class of games based on Boulder Dash that were kind of like the predecessor in terms of dig dug. Yeah. This definitely had that loop though yeah. of digging for stuff and then selling it to upgrade your thing so you could dig for more stuff. And I feel like I've gone into communities of people who knew about old games and asked, Hey, do, do you remember this? Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know how I like found games during the period of time <laughs> that this was, it was like early internet, Yeah, you know, but I, I, I remember getting like a box of pirated floppies from my uncle for Christmas. And that's how I got a bunch of games. Well, this was after that. I think this was more, <laughs> this is after your uncle. This was after your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. A J U. I call he it. He came this was to all of our houses, after Jim's Jim. uncle. It was yeah, a little yeah, weird. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Your uncle's Santa Claus, right? Right. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> what do you want for Christmas? I just a box of pirated software. Okay. Games. 
Yeah, yeah. games, whatever. QuickBooks and Lotus One Two Three. Yeah. Um. WordStar. <laughs> I also I also played a little Death Spank, uh, just to sort of. I I am sort of trying to look at other comedic RPGs and oh, see yeah. what other people have done. So you learning anything? Should we put more unicorn shit? Yeah, I was just it's like say. shit, but it's rainbow colored. Yeah. I I don't think so. I like. I kind of want to take the poop out of. You do the intro area. Everybody loves it, and I hate that they love it. Why, why what, do they? Why do you? Just, why do you hate that they love it? What about just making it rainbow colored? Because it's just poop. <laughs> but it's it's a horse town where there's all kinds of horses, and it's realistic, Zach. Yeah. Okay. That's just that's what would be there. You know what's funny? Reality. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that, speaking of which, we don't have nearly enough, like, depressing prostitutes in our <laughs> yeah, game either. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> there should be a lot more. I, people would love it. People would think it was hilarious. Every time they walked past one of the depressing prostitutes with syphilis and it made a <laughs> sound, they would, they would lull <laughs> during the demo. Uh. Funny RPGs is actually a pretty, like, small scene. But Undertale was huge. Under- right? Well, I mean, there just aren't many of them. Well, great. I thought you were going to yeah. say Undertale wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Undertale was pretty funny, I thought. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was well, well written. I mean, I don't think our games are funny, so I, I don't oh, think okay. that anything is funny. <laughs> Thanks. You're, you're jaded. <laughs> no, the stuff that you write is funny, Riff. I just... <laughs> I just ruin it by putting it in a framework. <laughs> I think the fact that every time you write a joke, you have to Google to see if anybody else has ever made that joke before <laughs> slow, slows down your process a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's terrible for you're writing music too. Yeah. There's no good search engine for it. So you just have no, to, no, you, you, know, like, you write a piece Fuck, of, that's the Beatles. What are you talking about? God damn it. That's the Beatles <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. You, you, you do your piece of music and you Shazam it. If nothing comes oh, up, it's original. It. There, there you go. go. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I remember like doing a lot of like, like the QA process for music for me was very often like, am I subconsciously ripping this off, sending it to a bunch of my musician friends? And they're like, oh, yeah, I recognize that from this other thing. It, it's horrifying. It's, it's horrifying how hard it is to make something truly new. Jim, this is just you singing happy birthday. <laughs> Are you just trolling us at this point? <laughs> Did we forget your birthday? Is what? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, you forgot my birthday. <laughs> Does anybody have anything to talk about uh, for enough time for me to pee before we talk about the assignment? We can just we can just take a break and I can edit yeah, this let's, out. Let's just have, let's take a break. Taking a break. Woo. Taking a break. We'll be back in a few Woo. minutes. I feel like I feel like that's a good way to, to stay fresh is to just take those breaks. Just, just take them all the take, time. Take a fresh break. Yeah, do another couple shots of Nyquil. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, for the for the listeners at home uh, during this break, which is being cut out, uh, all I have in front of me on the table uh, is just a shot glass and a bottle of Nyquil. Oh, nice! Not just chugging yep. it out of the bottle yet. No, I'd like I I am trying to stay with it because I feel like you can you can do bad things to your body by overdosing on acetaminophen, mm-hmm. and this is f- full of acetaminophen, so. Um, I'm going to try to try to dose it roughly accurately, but I lost the little plastic cup. So I'm just having to estimate 30 milliliters. (laughs) 
Do you get better or worse at estimating milliliters <laughs> when you're sick? Uh, that's a good question. Even if I filled an entire shot glass and just took the shot glass, I don't think that would be like a lethal dose. So I'm probably, probably fine. Yeah. So as long as I just don't take more than one shot of NyQuil at a time. <clears throat> but I just need something to dry me out. Like the sun. <laughs> well, that's gone. Just so. just eat a whole bunch of do not eats. Oh, yeah. Like what, what are those? Uh... Desiccants. Yeah. What is that? Is that just like salt? Yeah, I don't know what's in those. I don't know either, but like I bought, I bought a box of them for some reason, and then left it in the closet. Okay. And like a year later, the box was full of water, so Whoa. it works. And and those things were just gone. <laughs> well, they were like in the water. Uh, I bought one once that was in a little metal container, and uh, if it became too like if it had sort of gotten too much water, it, the color changed, and you could bake it. And get the water back out of it. Huh. Uh, which is pretty clever, I think. What are you talking about? Desiccants. Mm. How I just want to stick them in my pants and okay. stop being all... Uh, swamp crotched? St- no, it's not swamp crotch. It's, uh, it's just I, I'm like draining everywhere out of, out of my nasal cavities into... into oh, so you want to stick them in your pants to just leach the moisture out of your body. Yeah. At a low point? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not wearing a hat, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have any pockets in my shirt. I'm just wearing just a t-shirt, so that the only, them, the them, only just thing... Just cram them up your nose. But I... That, That's a very can't. direct solution. Okay, so the part of the problem is that we're talking about this, this reusable desiccant thing that I bought back in the day, which is about the size of, like, an Altoid stand. Oh, well... So I can't, <laughs> I can't jam that up my nose. That's... That was my, I think that was the, the mental hurdle that in describing this. That, Do you think that uh, that is exactly the same thing as the things for a humidor that I, they're like little sort of jelly-ish crystals? I don't know. Do you have hmm. to buy new ones or do you bake them when they get? You don't bake that you, that when they dry out, you just put more water in them. Oh, you're thinking of the opposite. Yeah, but I think that might be the actual same I don't know, because de- like a desiccant crystal is supposed to keep is like try to, to try to make it the air really dry. Yeah, the desiccant like draws water to itself. Yeah, right. But this like once it is saturated, it just would slowly dry out, right? And by drying out, it's releasing yeah. water into an enclosed space. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question, and I do not have the answer. Like, what if you soaked one of those silica gel packs in water and then put it in your pants? Would your pants be extra wet? I think so because you super just put extra wet, a soaking wet the same, in your pants. Super dry, super extra dry, arid, extra dry. Yeah. What if you just maybe if I just got like a diaper and put it on my head, that would work. What about downloading a shirt pattern and making it out of paper towels and wearing that instead of a shirt? <laughs> okay. I like the quicker picker upper. Yeah. I feel like it's about as efficient as like a Swiffer. Mm. So I could just, I could make a shirt, wear it, and then Swift the floor with my body. Yeah. Okay. Just wiggle around on the floor like a snake. What about using a squeegee to collect all of the liquid from your skin, mixing it with blue food coloring, and then pouring it into a maxi pad on television? Okay. Yeah. Uh, When you guys, here's a question. When you guys shower... Uh, do you squeegee off your body before you dry off with a towel? It depends on if I'm in a place where I have to use an unfamiliar extra small towel. 
If so, then yes. If I'm using the towels that I like, which are big and fluffy and you don't need to do that because they're plenty absorbent, then you no. don't bother. No. I usually do either way. I've, I usually, I've I, I, I squeegee. squeegeeing. <laughs> do you have it's a, a thing special that I, tool for that? No, no you, you just, just use your hand. hand. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, 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 the webbing, the webbing is the name of the tool that you use to like wipe oh, water well, off yeah, your windshield. <laughs> sure. But like, no, no, he's talking about just using your yeah, hand. Yeah, this is like Xerox, like, like, huh. do you ever go Xerox your balls? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, no, that's weird. I never, just I never using considered your hand to duplicate your balls. Is that what you're, um, I, I learned the squeegeeing technique, uh, camping because camp towels are relatively small. And so you need to, when you're going to, if you're going to dry yourself off, you need to be as dry as you possibly can already. Um, so you just sort of you like just it's it's not that hard and I feel like it just ma- like it makes the towel less damp which means it dries faster which means it gets less gross. Okay. So do you know what I mean? Like I feel like it's yeah. A good cycle. I mean I've gotten I was spoiled by spending so much time in Arizona where you just oh. never had to wash your towels. Yeah. You, you also probably could just walk out of the dryer the the dryer walk out of the walk out shower. of the yeah walk out of the shower into the dryer which is what <laughs> the entirety of the state was. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. Which which side of the which side of Arizona is the back? <laughs> the underside since it doesn't have a face this assignment deadly towers mm. yeah this wow. is a uh this is an 80s uh, nintendo game that japanese i owned this origin. game as a child this was one of the like first Did handful you get it, like in 87 when it was really popular yes okay. probably i because i think that it was one of those things where it was like my dad probably just like bought games that looked from the box like i would like them he's like hell's bells this looks like a good game yeah that's what he said he said hell's bells and i remember dad liking deadly towers about as much as i did which was how much my cousin and i beat it wow that's that seems crazy did Um, you have hints or anything i don't think so yeah having played it it doesn't seem crazy to me anymore like if as a kid, maybe because you have just it, infinite time. You have infinite, exactly, yeah. but like, it, and your progress is maintained yeah. throughout playthroughs, which like, was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, your big progress, not your small progress, it like kills your inventory. But it, well, no, it kills your money and well, it resets your health to a hundred. Yeah, but if you get like the permanent upgrades, you keep yeah, them. the permanent upgrades. You keep. Yeah, I'm talking about things like shit you buy from shops it goes away. I bought a shield, and it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I bought, but that's a I, bought a re- I, I bought a red drink, and it did not. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, man, somebody was it, eyeing it. Just, mm, felt like felt like banging my face into a wall. How how do you use the red drink? I don't know. You, ma- you, you select it and it's mapped to the other button, right? <laughs> okay. I think that whatever whatever thing in that subscreen is is has the little arrow pointing at it is what's mapped to your oh, B button. Yeah. Like it. So the, something that I was observing at dinner, you could say like fifty true things about this game. And it would sound like you were describing a really interestingly designed and good game. Yes. Like, given what... I mean, it's inexcusable given that The Legend of Zelda had been out for so long, right, when this came out. But probably released before they started working on this game. Yeah. I would say. But 
it does a lot of things that we understand are terrible ideas now, but they didn't understand that they were terrible ideas then. Well, they would have if they had playtested it. Yeah, I suppose. But, like, if you look at games that came out a year or two before this, like Pac-Man, <laughs> right? Where there's nothing like this world to explore. You say, okay, well, what if we just did fucking insane, complicated Obviously not human-designed dungeons that are extremely difficult to find your way out of uh, with no maps or anything. How about yeah. that? Like, yeah, well, that's better than not having that. Like, <laughs> yeah. look at all the shit that's in there. Like, this is great. This this really does feel like uh, a re- it's a really interesting companion piece to Zelda, mm. the legend, first Legend of Zelda. Like, just just structurally, this game is super weird. Like, when I heard about, like, I was reading about this game before playing it. I read that there are oh, there are seven towers with seven bosses at the tops of the towers. So I was thinking like it would be structured like Zelda, where you have this overworld, and then you go into one of the seven dungeons, and then you go fight through the dungeon, and you fight the boss at the end, and then you've made some major progress in the game, and then you go to the next dungeon. Um, and that's sort of true, but like there are seven towers, but there's only one castle. There's one castle that you go through. It's not that big. The and towers are all right in a row. The towers next to are each like other. they're all right next to each other, and they're only a few screens tall. If you don't fall in the dungeon, you never even see that part of the game, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and then on, uh, in addition to that structure, like there are, I think there are ten dungeons, each with like 150 rooms. Yeah, there, they are just ten dungeons. Fall. that are a 16 by 16 grid that is more or less filled in. Yeah, and you just like when you touch a random point in the map. Not random. It's it's like some designer a designer chose this point to be like thematically it's a trap door. But what actually happens is that like the, you're just suddenly in a in this like featureless room with like doors on doors or not you know on each wall and then an enemy enemy in the room and you start wandering around in this dungeon and every room is identical except for which enemy is in it and which doors are on which walls and you're in one of a thousand possible rooms that like you have to go in here. Like it's not just that you avoid the trap doors. You have to go in here to find the shops. Right. You, there, so you don't have to, right? There's, like there's you could that's just, yeah, there, there are some shops there, there's, So there's a bunch of different shops and then the shops also change their inventory over time based on how many of the towers you've completed. Oh. And so there's oh, different wow. shops in different spots have one of a set of inventory in them. So to get the good upgrades, you have to go into some of these dungeons. To beat the game, you don't have to. Okay. So if you said, all right, so this is a game where the entire overworld is accessible right off the bat. There are just seven bosses that you have to fight in. To, which you can fight in and, any order. That you can fight in any order that you want. <clears throat> and then to get the most powerful items, you have to go into these vast, sprawling, labyrinthine side dungeons that, again, you're not required to go into. They're just there if you want the rewards that are in them. That sounds like a pretty fucking good game. But as it turns out, like, no, what'll happen is you'll get thrown into one of these dungeons randomly, nowhere near the exit, with no way of figure. So there is a there is an item that you can get that is for locating the exit of dungeons. A oh. consumable item. And a all consumable. it does is it <laughs> changes the color of the floor of all of the rooms adjacent to the exit. So <laughs> oh, it what? it makes your target like a nine by a three by three instead of just what? a single room. Like this is oh, that's amazing. Based on something that I read in the game facts thing. Um 
while. It, yeah. Did, did anybody, like, one thing that I never encountered while playing the game but read about was that apparently in addition to these dungeons, there's also, like, a parallel world. Parallel zones, yeah. Yeah. Like, presumably, like, so the subspace in Super Mario Brothers 2, where, like, you... I think what happens is that you you it's similar to you touch a point in the world and you're suddenly in this uh color or like they change the palette of the screen you're in and yeah. they, they lock off the scrolling and then you have to fight some tough enemies and find some treasure on that screen and find the exit on that screen I think was what it was. I definitely remember that from playing it as a kid. I didn't. So what I, the way that I approached it, this game to play it for the assignment was I just found a password that started you with all of the best equipment. Yeah. And then decided, all right, I'm just going to go to the top of the top of this and go into the towers and just like see what I can remember of this, you know, because I, I just remember like there's a bunch of really constrained, like shitty boss rooms. The bosses were ran the gamut from like trivially easy because you could just stun lock them if they flew to the right point on the screen to like almost impossible because they had projectiles that moved independently of them. So you couldn't stun lock them. And Hmm. what happened was I got like three quarters of the way up to the towers, accidentally fell into one of the dungeons, never found my way out of it and quit playing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The combat is also really weird in this game. Like everything, it's sort of like, trying to be like a 3d projection or isometric projection maybe but everything moves in like obviously in screen space yeah it's almost like like one point perspective and it but it doesn't matter (laughs) like nothing nothing is in 3d respect where the walls are like a lot of stuff you'll accidentally kill high up or at the top of the screen and you can't get to it because that's where a wall is the reward Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And you can't pick up rewards by shooting them or getting them with a boomerang, which yeah, is right. how they dealt with that in The Legend of Zelda. Right. Because, um, I mean, that would also happen in The Legend of Zelda. And, I mean, in this, like, they wanted those balls to look like they were bouncing up and down in 3D space, even though they, like, clearly weren't. You couldn't, like, go on, like, run under them. Right. If their sprite overlapped with you, they were going to hit you. Right. Um, but they only overlap, they only uh, collide with your lower half. So there's that, at least, nod to being 3D. That's true. Your collider is just the bottom part of you. Just your legs. Could have fixed e- Atari ET. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a, uh, a a patch that does that for ET. Yeah. They made ET for the twenty six hundred almost as good as Deadly Towers for the NES, a game that came out <laughs> two years later. <laughs> like it's three years later, I forget when. But it's like a handful like, of years is yeah, what we're talking about here. Like lest they, let they, this is my point. Like lest we be too critical of this. Like they they not every game of this era can be the Legend of Zelda. You know, and it's like I mean the original Rygar was the, the NES Rygar also pretty bad. But like it's fun when you were a kid. I can imagine um, even now, like if I just got a bug up my ass about this game, like digging into it figuring out like enough of the the dungeons to be able to make my way through them when necessary except that you have to grind your health up from 100 every time you make an attempt at the yeah Mm -hmm. and the hearts drop way less frequently than like coins yeah if there were some like just some way to like once i figured out a loop that trivially grinds health which there are a bunch of in the game there are a bunch of places where you can enter and exit a room and grind health 
Um, I think it would make it a lot more playable to a modern audience. Well, God, not a modern audience, but right. a modern it, crazy so person. It's a thing that you could imagine getting good enough at to like play on Summer Games Done Quick or sure. something, right? Yeah. Like there was like, a speed run of it on Summer Games Done Quick. Oh, yeah. I would like to watch that. I mean, you, you would skip most of the game because you probably would never go to the dungeon, right? Well, you might to get. I mean, all of the like walkthroughs that I saw were like, this is the points where you absolutely should go into a dungeon and then just follow these very specific instructions to spend as little time in there as possible. The dungeons have this one kind of enemy that makes it really easy to farm consumables off of, which is like a stack of those spheres right. that extends right. that are really, yeah. really easy to kill quickly. And they drop a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and they drop like they drop an item per sprite. If you let them extend to their full height, though, they'll drop it. Right in the door, yeah, so you right. just and if, yeah. And if you enter the room from the top, you just get knocked back instantly. Yeah, because that extends upwards. Yeah, like the the experience of just getting knocked through multiple rooms of a dungeon by collision knockback is or or an enemy. So there's also like in the castle part, there's also just these sheer drop offs, which are not clearly indicated. Like the very first thing I did was like go into the dungeon and then fall off an edge because I didn't realize that it was an actual like. Yeah, because it just has that off. sort of, it has that sort of scribble across the edge to show. Yeah, you. which might indicate that that's the part where you can't fall off, <laughs> right? Like, is it, yeah, that's, I mean, the, well, the first time I yeah. fell off one, I was like, oh, that texture is different. Does that mean I can fall off it? Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, and that there are enemies that will push you up against those edges or over those edges yeah. is kind of mind-bogglingly. Like, I think you always get knocked backwards relative to you when you get. I think hit. relative to the way you're no, moving. Yeah, mm. that was not my. Might that, be relative to the way recall, you're moving. But... It, it's it, it's it's definitely not the way you're facing. I was assuming it was based on where the enemy hits you or like what direction the okay. enemy is moving. Mm. But I don't know if that's true for certain or not. I definitely have been knocked off the cliff forward when I was traveling left or right. It's another example of a really weird thing about the way this game is structured. There are a couple of early on in the castle, you can you start the game and you can go a couple of rooms in, you can get a permanent health upgrade. Mm -hmm. And you can keep doing this. Like it'll be there the next time you start. Um and I eventually um they stopped appearing and I realized it was because I had reached a certain health threshold. Like my maximum health had reached 200 and then those two power ups stopped existing as a result. So it's not an infinite progression. It's, it's not infinite, but it is like, like we'll just keep giving you these health upgrades. Right. And so it makes it so the optimal way to play is to just do that and kill yourself 10 times. <laughs> well, yes, but also you're just going to die immediately anyway. So yeah. that's true. And, and using having, the password with all the best that gear means you have to farm all that health. <laughs> Right. You become, right. you become a lot more survivable once you've got good armor and stuff, and then you start to be able to throw. So you can either get a power up that lets you throw more than one, like you can have two swords on the screen at once. More, you, than, more than one dick shooting dagger. is like gauntlet, right? Except, no, actually, I think maybe in gauntlet you can only have one you can, weapon in, in on gauntlet, the screen. You can have one shot on the screen. Yeah, uh, and. And see, nobody says that Gauntlet's a terrible game. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and I remember, like, really digging into the systems in Gauntlet and, like, how carefully tuned it is, like, that 
the uh, the the way you you become more powerful as you get closer to the enemy. Your shots become more powerful by the virtue of the fact that there can only be one of them, and like how uh, it becomes interesting, like enemy management to make sure the generator stays off screen until you're ready to kill it. Mm. You know, like the the fact that the the screen itself in Gauntlet is so crucial to the way the game works. Like that's part of the game and it's part of the design. Um, and it, you can sort of see Deadly Towers kind of pointing in the same direction, but it's so much harder to tell if it was deliberate because so much of the game doesn't feel deliberate. It Yeah, it does feel really sloppy. Yeah. I mean, you at dinner described it as being like if somebody just made a game based on a design doc that they had just written down in a notebook and then never iterated on it. Right. At all. There are all of these like items that you can use to do various things that you would just never use because it's pointless to farm up money because you're just going to die. Like you, you're either going to win or die, which (laughs) is like life, I guess. (laughs) But it's like you, you get the permanent upgrades and then you, you would never like go into a dungeon to farm consumables for a boss fight because you say never i'm i'm sure that it's somewhere in history people did that yeah maybe I mean, it, well you you beat this game did you do that i don't remember yeah i like i just i know we beat it and i remember like oh right you get you beat each of these bosses you get a bell you take it to the fire and then that like updates a thing on the subscreen and when the subscreen has all it's seven fires in it then then you can go down and then the door next to the end, like where you spawn is open. So then at that point, you can just keep fighting the end boss over and over again. Like just if he kills you, you just walk over and fight him again, which that's another really fucking clever way to do something like that. Right. Like, you know, it's not like, Oh, like that's better than the legend of Zelda. Like if you're at the point where the thing that's left to do is to beat the actual challenge of the fight, that is the end boss. And like, you have to keep fucking getting there from the beginning of the dungeon, like not even starting with all your health. Yeah. Like this beats that, (laughs) but it's still just like the, if you are against a wall, (laughs) you can't move left or right. Like, without moving away from the wall. Like, that is just, like, that is just a bug in the collision that was not fixed. Yep. Before this game was physically printed onto fucking ICs and distributed <laughs> as a physical play. It's not even, like, ugh. <laughs> Even if it was on a floppy, I would be less <laughs> irritated with their, it just shipping with a, like such an obvious shitty bug like that on maybe, it. Maybe it was a Famicom disc system. Uh, maybe it was in Japan. You know, something that I thought was almost really cool. <laughs> so we, this was another thing we were talking about at dinner. My theory is that n- the dungeons were not human designed. Like my theory was that the dungeons were made out of just pointing like, like the, some of the sound effects in the legend of Zelda. Uh-huh. Yeah. They just, pointed at a sp- a point of data and maybe they did this randomly until they found one that looked right like this kind of looks like a dungeon yeah and they just like all right whatever is in the first four bytes is whether there's doors here or not that said that would not make it so doors lined up from adjacent rooms <laughs> the way oh. that i'm thinking about it right uh but yeah 
And then there's other, this other two bites is what enemies we spawn in it. And then cool, we got a dungeon. Now we can have as many gigantic sprawling dungeons as we want. Uh, in them, every room has its own music. Yeah. But it's all variations on a theme that you could have crossfaded between, but they just didn't. Mm-hmm. They start the music over at the beginning of a measure every time you go into a new room. And if they hadn't done that, that would have been, that would have felt really cool. Like if you go through doors on the measure markings, it's like, this is a pretty neat, like, I didn't notice that. I didn't marching notice that the song. music was different per room. And it's consistent too. If you go back and forth between two rooms, you'll get two different variations on yeah. the theme. Yeah. They could, that, that wouldn't have been that hard to, uh, like make, just make it switch at the next measure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or just pause and don't let you go into the next room. Like just have a little loading screen <laughs> <laughs> while the yeah. measure tune how the long the finished. fade out takes. Yeah. Um, and the music in there is actually pretty catchy. I kind of have it stuck <laughs> in my head now. But you can make a good song out of that. It's weird. The music, when you very first start, is the worst track in the game, I think. And as soon as you go into the second level, like the second tier of the castle, like first time you go through a door, then, oh, this music is pretty good. And then in the dungeons, the music is really good. Maybe the music is inversely proportional to the gameplay. (laughs) When you're just walking around and there's nothing to fight and you don't know how garbage the gameplay is, then the music is really terrible. Right. I'm really glad we did this. Yeah, me too. I think it was super, it's a super interesting game. Like, and, and like half the time I spent with it was just reading about it just because like you can't, you can't play this game for very long. Yeah, and, no. <laughs> I discovered that. <laughs> but like the time I spent like alternately like banging my head on it and like watching Let's Plays and reading facts and just what a weird fucking project. 
And I think, did I already say that it was like an interesting, like, foil for The Legend of Zelda? Like, just to compare the two things. Yeah. Do, do we know um, when this came out relative to, relative to Dragon Quest? Mm-mm. Not off the top of our heads. Yeah, I think it was probably similar. It the the like fact that the shops were also just random spots on the ground. Yeah, that you would <laughs> no you would trapdoor sprite or anything. You just bloop. Oh, I'm in a shop yeah. now. And I mean, the way that shops and NPCs are hidden in The Legend of Zelda kind of bullshit by modern standards but at least there is an in-fiction explanation for it right and it requires you to do something which then produces a thing that you can see that you move your dude onto it makes a little bit of sense yeah Yeah. like oh i'm bombing a hole in this wall and even though the wall looks the same as every other wall you know that's at least something that sure you could do that you could put a hole in a wall and go through it and there might be something behind it and so, like, we're agreed, I think, from a, from a modern point of view, that, like, hiding power-ups in the world by you passing through this empty space causes a power-up to spawn in it, like in Friday the 13th. That that, was, that's bullshit. That's a super common but trope it's in, really in, common early, in early NES games. Yeah. Like, and it's not that different from the hidden blocks in Super Mario Brothers. Right, but everybody's like, "Oh, that is really cool." For some reason, that like yeah. the blank space here can be something that like fucks up a jump for whatever reason. Like that feels more like you know buying a lottery ticket. Well, I guess buying a lottery ticket is way less le- you're way less likely to win than just by touching a random square in an NES game. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, like it feels a little bit more like uh, it less that just because there are so many possible places to touch you know and the i had actually thought about um when you when you're touching a random spot in deadly towers and you just drop into the dungeon that actually it's actually not that common for just a random place in the world to be a significant punishment in early nes games that's different i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i can think of Did you ever read that article about how item drops work in The Legend of Zelda? Mm, yeah. Oh, t- Tenth Enemy has the bomb? Yeah. Yeah. That was... I, I remember reading it, but I also then forgot immediately. But just the fact that there's this weird formula running behind the scenes, it's not random. Yeah. I wonder how different that felt at design time than... Oh, well, let's just say that when you walk past certain empty spaces, we'll just spawn a power up in it because that's equally systemically driven and feels more random, even though it's less random right. to the player. Right. Which is weird. Yeah. I have to wonder, like, whether they there was some design intentionality there. Like, is are they trying to shape the player's experience in some meaningful way or if they were thinking the players would figure out the pattern or if it was just something to like, it's I, what I want to know is like, why did they do this instead of just having a random number generator decide what drops? Right. 
I mean, it might have just been less code, right? In Zelda, like Maybe. they might have like that because there was a there was a really significant economy going on there, and it was like, well, we've already got this counter that's tracking something else. We could, right. yeah, we could use it. Yeah, because it, and it was also a thing where like the less you got hit, the more items dropped. Which, oh yeah, that is a fun subtle way to reward skillful play right like yeah once you get good at beating this room at like say let's say you're farming this room to try to get bombs you'll get more bombs if you do a better job of killing these guys like that seems that seems noble yeah but yeah deadly towers i mean memorizing where those things are is it categorically different than my excitement at like discovering the warp zone in four two by jumping in a random spot and finding a brick with ivy hidden in it? Like, and if it is different, is it different for any other reason than we like Super Mario Brothers and we don't like Deadly Towers? Like, so the placement of the trapdoors in Deadly Towers feels pretty random. That is true. And the arbitrary. placement of the secrets in Super Mario Brothers, arbitrary, yeah, feels a lot more authored. Mm-hmm. So in that's yeah. I feel like that's one thing that, like, in 4-2, there there's, a, like, a, se- a series of blocks around that vine block where, like, if you hit any one of them, it might imply that there are other secrets nearby. Are there other places in Super Mario Brothers where that holds? Uh, Where there's a group of hidden blocks, yeah, together, like in um in one four, for example, uh, there's uh, an indentation in the ground where there's like a big screen of nothing, but there are six uh, hidden coins laid out in sort of a staggered pattern, um, that's predictable. Like once you see the pattern, you can then predict where the rest of the coins are. Mm. Just the fact that it's authored, I think, is significant, but also like. Maybe even more important is that dropping into the dungeon is almost always bad. And finding a secret at random, like being being randomly rewarded, just feels like a better yeah. way to do things. Right. If you know how Deadly Towers works, you want to go into the dungeon because you know that's where the good items are. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I I never found an exit or a shop in the yep, dungeon. Nope. I in 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 playing it now I never got. I mean I found some shops, but and there's those symbols on the floor are supposed to mean either a shop or the exit. Hmm. Often there were just nothing, which I don't understand. I had a interesting experience, which was I was playing with uh, an emulator that when you paused the game. You looked at your inventory and you unpaused the um, the video got scrambled like the the representation of the map uh, on the screen got scrambled, which meant that whatever like for whatever reason, that meant that whatever tile you were standing on just instantly sent me to the dungeon as soon as I unpaused, hmm. which was Good. a really weird bug in that emulator. And I wasn't like because of the abstruseness of the game, it took me a long time to realize that wasn't just how it worked. Hmm. This is the pause dungeon. Right. (laughs) I'm also really glad that we played this because I 
think it is a weird but interesting relic. And the fact that I have, like, so much personal experience with it, it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, it constantly, like, I don't know how I ended up listening to License to Ill so much as a kid, (laughs) but it turned out to not just be some, like, dumb bullshit. It turned out to be, like, a sort of a an album that that had some lasting value and that a band that people recognized was pretty good right yeah. like this was like that except yeah, cool cool modi gave it top not. marks for sticking to themes <laughs> like it, th- thinking about like the weird like oh well, what what it, what would my life have been like if i just like hadn't happened to get the copy of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy right. that i got at the time that i did or whatever right like and maybe it's like these things define your tastes and these things define what you think is interesting and then you seek out people who feel the same way and that's how that works as yeah. opposed to like oh i would hate to be me but not have discovered the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when i was 10 when in fact i would probably be the captain of the football team if i hadn't discovered <laughs> Something I was thinking about when I played Absolute Drift was I was imagining well, – so, so first of all, like the fact that this is a, a kinetic task that I am unable to get a grip on made me feel like maybe I'm just really old and can't pick up new skills. Um, but it was so instantaneous and extreme as compared to like the last time I did that. Um Quite. Yeah, we want to talk about oh, that. Oh yeah, too. I forgot to I forgot to tell you about how my world got turned upside down. I want to finish this thought yeah, first. Yeah. yeah, sorry. The other um the other half of that thought was the idea that like what if I just can't personally get a handle on drifting and then I imagined this world where like instead of Super Mario Brothers being the hit of 1985 and of the NES and where instead of the world where like every other indie indie game is a platformer based on Super Mario Brothers. What if like all these games, this whole pantheon of games were all based on drifting instead? Mm. Like it started uh, what with if, pulp I thought you were going to say what if they were based on Deadly Towers. Yeah. I mean like I mean I feel like yeah. you'd end up with Dark Souls. Yeah. I, right I, like I don't think I don't think that Deadly Towers is any more impenetrable in its time than Dark Souls is now. No, for sure. For sure. Instead of Citizen Kane, we have uh, Tokyo Drift. You like, look I, a lot like that guy, too. Everything Dark Souls. Yeah, wait, I look like Dark Souls? Y- yes, you look like a Dark Soul. Okay. No, I'm saying Prince Meyer. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was definitely making, like, the comparison in my head. Like, I... And, yes, if you think about, like, the relative abstruseness of, like, what Dark Souls is now, Deadly Towers, that's a pretty good comparison, I think. Um, Except... Dark Souls is good, right? <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, like, it's but, not like but Dar- Dark Souls wasn't an accident. I, I, like, right. Dark Souls yeah, isn't like, interesting because it was accidentally a good kind of sloppy, yeah. whereas Dark, this Dark is... Dark Souls was very, very polished very, and, and very, very deliberate. deliberate. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that that was just like the little horror story I lived that in my head where like I'm really good at platformers, but what if that like instead this like whole genre of video games was something completely inaccessible to me? And that was but that's just another example of like what if I hadn't read this book I really liked as a kid, you know? What what if this aspect of my life was completely different? Well, I'd have a different life. So like, yeah. 
and all of the all of the multifarious versions of you that are in the various parallel dimensions where things went slightly differently maybe saying the same thing or maybe not maybe they're not like dorks who would sit around and have a conversation like this <laughs> yeah without like yeah. getting laid yeah i learned in england that when an english person says quite it means kind of <laughs> yeah and that really as opposed to that really of. flipped a lot of scripts for me yeah, yeah. Say, an English person describing something as quite good is like us saying, it's all right. It's right. acceptable. Oh, huh. Yeah. Like, it's good enough. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. no idea Confusing. Yeah. I had read, like, something like a year ago, Tom Francis wrote a blog post about his discovery of, like, the what, what quite means in America. And this suddenly meant, like, he realized that playtesters weren't nearly as critical as he thought they were. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, they say it's quite good. Yeah. I mean, and that's like something you would say like to sound fancy if you were talking to a British person. Yeah. 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 I got to I got to elevate my speech to his level. And then when we were having this conversation at dinner, one of his friends asked me if people is it true that people in America don't say lovely? They don't use lovely as an adjective and I said, oh, "Not really." And she's like, "What do you what do you think they may mean if they say lovely?" And I said, "I I think they're imitating a British person <laughs> if they're describing something as lovely. Um, but yeah, quite. Just a little bit. Flammable and inflammable, am I right? <laughs> What's our next assignment? Uh, it better be as interesting as Deadly Towers. It hopefully is going to be uh, just as interesting or more. It is, <clears throat> it's a Patreon backer suggestion. Yeah, sorry it's been so long since we've done one of those. We kind of got out of the habit. Uh, but it is called Defect Spaceship Destruction Kit. And it's like a procedurally generated spaceships or, or at least a... I don't, I, the sense that I get is you build ships and then you fight people. You can make them out of stuff. Ships. Like it's it's sort of like assembling ships and fighting ships. It's, yeah, it's space, space shooting Space thing. Legos. Yeah, I don't get it. It's like Legos, but in space. It. It's not like uh, Captain Forever. It's like Starbound, but in or space. Whatever. All right, new rule. I don't think. You have to write what this game is like when you're recommending a Patreon game. Yeah, say it's like Starbound, but in space. Yeah. No matter what the game is. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> That'll be helpful. Just Jim's we'll, we'll, rule. We'll <laughs> infer from context what you mean. Okay. We'll infer from context in the title of the game. Right, and the, the game's Wikipedia page and Steam page. Do you guys have anything else to say about video games other than how grateful we are that our Patreon backers allow us to do this every week? Nope. nope. Do you guys have any Patreon backers you'd like to thank individually by name? Uh, how about... Clarence Thomas. Annapolis, Maryland. Anita Hill. Okay. Montana man. <laughs> oh. Banana man. <laughs> but bananas bob. Banana boat. Control option command. Boat Stevens. Pineapple boat. <laughs> Pineapple Stevens. Love boat. <laughs> Love Stevens. Love Stevens. Goodbye. Boat love. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Thank you.
Was a pineapple boat a thing that you knew about, or is it a thing that you just said, this this is a thing that should exist, I'm going to make this? I have no idea what that is. Oh, no. So, I, Amelia and I were having a party, and... Or was it a watermelon boat? What, she, it said, a boat. she said she, that she was going to make a something, and she was going to make a something, and she was going to make... And I said, okay, uh, for this party, I'm going to make a fruit boat and i just said two words and then she was like okay whatever take this seriously and then so i dug in and i was like what I, no i'm making a fucking fruit boat what <laughs> so okay. so then i had to figure out what that meant and do it <laughs> and it was great it was like a really cool thing that i made it was like a it was like it had multiple sales yeah i was really <laughs> proud of it it was it was a it was quite the construction. I think I have a picture. Yeah, I made it out of a I made it out of uh, several pineapples, and it, yeah, it had yeah a lot of grapes, and it had um, a banana octopus in the. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made water out of icing for it to be on on like a cookie sheet. Like it was. It was yeah, it was. Serious. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> Went to a sushi restaurant with a friend of mine. And we were looking over the menu and we decided, like, we lo- looked at this item. It was called the Love Boat. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. has a bunch of, like, good stuff on it for pretty cheap. And we go and ended up ordering it. And the server gave us this weird look. And we realized that the Love Boat is, like, intended for couples to order and eat together. Right. Off of each other. Uh, presumably. <laughs> yeah. But, like, fuck it. it. It was the best deal. A lot of good food. We ate a bunch of good sushi. and Sushi boats are... Always great because they like they go out of their way to put a variety of of like a visual variety of stuff on them, which then also means there's like a good variety of stuff to eat, and it's yeah yeah. I always get the like combo platter or the yeah bento yeah. box yeah the bento box yeah variety of finger foods that's always the right meal or just uh, chicken McNuggets with all the different sauces okay. But, I mean, Chicken McNuggets are in those four different shapes, so they are inherently a variety. There's the boot. There's the diamond. Uh-huh. Circle. Uh, are you just making up shapes? No, no the, those okay. are the two there's, that I know. There's the diamond and there's the baseball diamond. The, and the, the boot is the one with the little divot in the handle? The boot's the one that looks like a Italy. Uh, okay. <laughs> is it, there's one that looks like a, like a booty. It looks like a yeah. baby's sock. Like a chainmail sock. It looks like a, little, a letter. A, like a I'm so sad really that that whole conversation didn't L. happen. I should edit that part of K- the KOL show in. To... We had a good sex dungeon. Like a medieval sex dungeon. Definitely my favorite kind of dungeon. Conversation. It's the yeah. only kind of dungeon. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. No, the boot and the diamond are definitely two of the yeah, actual they're, McNugget they're shapes. Real. I will like, confirm. It's the, it's yeah, true. and okay. but I don't remember what the other ones are. I'm pretty sure uh, one like of the them wa- is just circle. the walkie-talkie. Uh, yeah, okay. The there's like an hour. Is there like an hourglass one? Mm, I don't remember. Drumstick. No, I'm thinking of the marking that the, uh, identifies the deadly chicken McNugget spider. <laughs> the Strait and the Isthmus and the Peninsula okay. and the Gulf. Right, and together they're an archipelago. <laughs> right. Oh, I know him. Yeah. How do you pronounce that word? Archipelago. Okay. Archipelago. I think it's archipelago. so. This this person. Says that there are four shapes: the the bell, the ball, the boot, and the bone. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Huh. Can I see them? Sure. 
The boot is really the only one with the with a super distinctive shape. Okay, I think the bell is the thing that I call the diamond. The ball is the one that riff is just the circle. circle yeah, yeah, and then the bone, bone is, is maybe, maybe the hourglass. hourglass. Yeah. Yep. What a dumb product. Yeah. Like, just what a bad, bad product. If they tasted good, I would be like. Yeah. You got the sweet and sour dipping sauce. Th- but yeah, but the, you can put you that like sauce this. on anything. Yeah, you can put that sauce on a good chicken nugget. <laughs> you can put it on like, some cardboard. I'm not, it's not like I'm above good. this. Like, I, like, the thing that I'm comparing this against is like a Wendy's chicken yeah. nugget, oh, which is cheaper, but they're so good. Like, they taste good as opposed to, like, chicken nuggets just taste like sawdust. So if you go to Grubhub, can you, like, get a Wendy's 12-piece or whatever chicken nugget with sweet with and sour sauce McDonald's from McDonald's? sauce? Oh, man. See, that was why Riff kept the rare sauce drawer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it wasn't a rare sauce. It was yeah, just the sauce just drawer. Sauce. It would just occasionally yield a rare sauce, right. which is why which <laughs> so is why you, it was worth shuffled, keeping it full. If you shuffled full. them around so that some of the ones on the bottom came up to the top, you'd see one you hadn't so seen in a while. Was, this was a crisper drawer in the fridge. Oh, it was refrigerated. Okay. entirely full of sauces. Yeah, it was just entirely full of packets. Oh, of- I, oh man, we need another fridge at home. <laughs> like, ours is full because there's too many people living in the house. Mm. You could also just have fewer people living in the house. Yeah. How many people live in your house? Is it just you and April? It's, there's three people. Oh. So Who's the third there, person? There's a roommate. Mm. His name is Neil. Mm. Mm. Is it Neil good, deGrasse Tyson? That's a good roommate if, if only. name. Yeah. It's Neil with two E's. What? 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 That yeah. is an incorrect configuration. Yeah, that's a that's a wrong Neil. That's <laughs> yeah. you gotta You gotta factory reject. You need to patch your house. Right, I'll I'll let him know. <laughs> okay. N E E L or N E L E? N E E L. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah, no. Unneal. I know an unneal, but that's like a different thing entirely. <laughs> Are you sure that this isn't just like uh, Evil Knievel, but they took the K and the N out of his... <laughs> no. Are you sure okay. it's not several fish and not a guy? I, I I think these are all theories worth researching, looking into. Oh, yeah. It's just Neil. I'll run. <laughs> it's, it's Neil, short for an eel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll run some experiments when I get home. God, there was a part a of this quest line oh. in this world of warcraft thing that i did where you're like the, the thing that you have to do is talk to like the queen of the viking hell that you go to mm-hmm. and you have to emote neil yeah. before her before she will talk to you yep. like she otherwise wow. if you try to activate the conversation option she just screams at you to kneel before you talk to her and you have to like type slash kneel and then talk to her for her to, to it's like yes yes like that is so good. That is have you probably tried other, gonna you, be. Have you tried like. Well, I was just gonna say that that's probably gonna be what I use my, uh, like level one hundred character upgrade for is to level another character for to a hundred so that I can go do that area again without there being fifty dudes running around in it revving their motorcycle engines and shit. <laughs> just just <laughs> like go play hell again in like six months when there's nobody there so the atmosphere isn't ruined. <laughs> It was. I played it at like six o'clock this morning, oh, so good, there was there was hardly anyone there. I mean, I had no idea it was coming. Like that, mm. it, like it was just like, oh, weird. Okay, here's this fucking amazing place. Yep. Like that's like not even a. It's not even like on the map. 
It was like, oh, I wonder, I bet that door leads to a dungeon. Like, (laughs) nope, that's hell. You'll be going there in a few minutes. Like, neat. Does she react to other emotes, like train? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I did find it a little weird. I mean, like, mechanically, I suppose it was necessary, but hell just has a door, and you can walk out and go home. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like a big deal later when you're, like, leaving, and she's like, no, no one leaves hell. Like, what? Well, Mm, uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's really far away from you, and we have not seen that you can move, so... (laughs) I mean, maybe only you can go out that door because you're real special. Mm, Sure, sure. Did you try going out it when, like, there's that whole part of it where she, like, steals your soul and you're, like, a weird ghost? Like, I wonder, can you leave then, and are you just normal? Uh, I think that might be when I did leave, and yeah. Huh. Hmm. God, because you guys, it's I, so yeah, good. that that is when I left. Because in the course of searching for the fragments of my soul, I f- I fell into a place that I couldn't get out of. Because <laughs> I also oh, had to like hearth. Yeah, out. I had to hearth out. I keep thinking that I've gotten stuck in the geometry, and I keep thinking, well, this is a consequence of this new sort of looser design is that like they care more that this looks cool than that it not be possible to get stuck in the geometry. But I always managed to get out. Yeah. It's it's real rare. That's the only time I've had to hearth out and certainly in this expansion and maybe also in the previous one. They gave Shaman this ability that just summons a little tornado and just darts you forward. Hmm. Huh. Like 50 yards? 50 whatever. yards. Maybe not 50 yards. It's a, it's a way. It's definitely like super fucking fun to just move around the world because of this. <laughs> Cuz it's like it's got like a 20 second cooldown or something so like you're just running along running along running along wee and you can just jump places because of it i like i feel like there's probably some engineering object oh, yeah. that does there, the same thing so there's the uh the goblin glider is super good it's like basically a slow fall parachute except you can you get horizontal movement as it falls and it has like a two mm. minute fall duration super fun and then they added an uh toy that you can get out in the world called the emerald winds uh which every i think like when you activate it it puts a button on your screen that you can push every i think six seconds or something and it gives you a little bit of uh a little bit of airborne boost so if you you can use that while you're while you're gliding and it and you can keep basically level for a really long time and hmm. it's almost as good, almost but not quite as good as actually being able to fly yeah because they still haven't turned on flying in the new no there's an achievement that you can get called i don't remember what it's called but if you search in the achievements drawer for part one it'll it'll give it to you it's like broken isles journeyman part one or something and if you get all of that it gives you increased mount speed and then apparently doing part two, which is not in the game yet, will give you flying. But Did you say achievements drawer? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the official name for where it shows you all your achievements Well, I mean, uh, for, for all I know, it is a drawer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, it's like the sauce drawer where you open it up and there's oh, a bunch yeah. of... Yeah, sometimes there's a rare sauce. The bottom, yeah. Sometimes the, yeah. Are you still recording, Riff? Uh, I am, actually. Okay. So so are we. It's a weird oh, so I don't know if this podcast. is podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is gonna. We already. I mean, we already ended it. I mean, wait. Yeah, just. You could just slice it up. I could also edit this more World of Warcraft talk. Yeah. After this 
after this break. After this panther sound. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I'm going to be pissed at myself tomorrow. <laughs> hey, good enough. <laughs> I'm a panther. <laughs> All right, good night, guys. Hey, good night. Uh, tri- triple riff. good night. Hey, man, go to Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Hmm. What did he say? Yeah, I think I'm going to go to Wendy's. Hmm. The bell, the book, and the candle are the three shapes of <laughs> Wendy's. <laughs>